One of the things that we're trying to get better at is exposing product engineering to our customers. It helps build empathy for for their pain. It helps build their knowledge. It helps get them better accustomed to hearing sort of what our customers are trying to do. And that can only be a good thing. This is the Growth Age Podcast, powered by FastBrain. And here's your host, David Vogelpohl. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Growth Stage podcast by FastSpring, where we focus on SaaS and digital product companies and how they grow revenue, build meaningful products, and increase the value of their business. I'm David Vogelpohl. I support the digital product community through my role at FastSpring, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here on the Growth Stage podcast. In this episode, we're going to really talk about building value in your business. And to do that, we're going to forget support. And instead, we're going to optimize for full funnel customer success. And joining us for that conversation is someone who knows quite a bit about that. I'd like to welcome to Growth Stage from Sideways 6, Mr. Jake Dipple. Jake, welcome to Growth Stage. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Looking forward to this. Excellent. Well, so glad to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on what customer success is at a, at a high level is at a high level. I know that's kind of a squishy term sometimes. Um, but even more importantly, how customer success will impact folks uh, ARR, also their product value, marketing, and really much more of that whole full funnel side. I'm also really looking forward to talking about some of your maybe more unconventional tips. I know at Sideways 6, y'all have some things you do with some of your customers that might be good examples for others, um, but really around that that idea of uh, getting customers that love your brand and love your product. So really looking forward to the conversation. So Jake, I'm going to kick it off by asking you the same question I ask every guest here on Growth Stage. What was the first thing you bought online? There were, there were two answers to this question, depending on um, how I want to appear to the audience, but the uh, the, the uh, I suppose the proper answer would be that uh, this was probably back in 2010, and I remember going to university in Manchester, which is in the north of the UK, here in the north of England, and for the first time ever, you're independent, you have to buy stuff for yourself, and I got to the first day of my course, and I was given a list of books that I had to buy for study materials throughout that year. Um, and I believe that a number of those books I purchased on Amazon, and that I think was the first thing that I bought. Uh, but that was back in the days of no prime delivery. Uh, Amazon didn't have a number of the things that it had today. Um, so it feels quite a long time ago. The other answer was that I think it was, uh, I think it was a Domino's pizza. I'm fairly Domino's pizza. I'm fairly certain the first thing that I bought online was the Domino's pizza. But um, I think you should own the pizza one. Like that's a pretty good first thing you bought online. It was probably the last thing I bought online as well. I think that was maybe even the first purchase online was a pizza. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I'll have to research that. That'll be an interesting. It was the question. first. It was the first trading of uh, Bitcoin, I believe. I believe okay. someone offered someone a Bitcoin to go and buy them a pizza. Oh, that. that's, yeah, the first Bitcoin offering. I did see a contest once, a sign. It was like a, I don't know, a raffle and they were giving away, I forgot what it was. It was like a PSP was first prize and then something else was second prize and 10 Bitcoin was third prize. So uh, <laughs> fun to win that raffle. That would have been quite good, yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, I know when you're buying your uh, books for university, that can be very expensive. I could imagine going online to see if you could get a deal would make a lot of sense. What well, um, thing you bought? Just out of interest. First thing I bought, uh, I believe it was a cure for poison ivy. I had uh, poison ivy really bad, and I just went on the internet and searched for it, and I found uh, something called Xanfel that ended up working really well for me, and I think that was the first thing I bought online. Nice. So, um, cool. So anyways, what we're here today to talk about, though, primarily is around customer success. And I was wondering if you could start, though, by telling me a little bit about what Sideways Sideways 6 does and what you do there. Of course. So Sideways 6, we're a idea management platform and, and we exist to bring good ideas to life every day from everywhere, from every, from anyone. So, so that is our mission. Think of us as like a idea management CRM tool. So CRM for ideas, like HubSpot for ideas, getting getting ideas in the top of the funnel, nurturing them, and ultimately sort of bringing them to life. Now we do that through two ways predominantly. And that's through collecting ideas from where people are. So a native approach to the tools that people are using today, typically Microsoft Teams, we work with enterprise organizations. So it sits within Microsoft Teams, so they don't have to leave their experience to submit an idea. And that brings more ideas into the top of the funnel. But secondly, we have a very powerful backend platform that provides things like automations, uh, communication, collaboration, uh, to be able to nurture those ideas and bring them through to the eventual stage, which is when they get implemented and impacting these organizations. And we support organizations like Marks and Spencers, which is an enormous retail here, Balfour BT, which is a big construction company, which operate across the globe, Nestle, uh, and others as well. And, and my role at Sideways 6 is head of customer success, which essentially means that we provide our, our customers with idea expertise to help them drive towards their desired outcomes or their success metrics that they need to impact. And that's primarily done through the ongoing optimization of what we call their ideas program by providing them with uh, opportunities to optimize their people, their process, and the application of their Sideways 6 technology in order to drive that success. You know, it's interesting to hear you frame both the platform and your and your team's role there. And so it sounded like fundamentally Sideways 6, as you pointed out, is an idea management platform that helps you kind of um, originate and collect the ideas and then I guess see them for, through to fruition. And you kind of framed customer success as like, well, we're, we're trying to help our customers achieve that outcome and find success in using the platform. Um, you, you didn't talk a lot at all about support. Is support in your sphere or is that a separate org within Sideway 6? It's a separate word within Sideway 6. So support is, is how we would typically define our reactionary teams. Our sort of, there's a, um, I can't do this, um, how to. For example, why can't I see this? Whereas success is very much on the proactive, outcome-driven, consultative side, where we are much more proactive with our customers' needs. We plot where they need to get to. Support is an important part of that. But the support team are responsible for first response times for things like um, NPS, whereas what we're responsible for is ultimately outcomes, and at Sideways 6, Renewal, so ARR. 
So what would be like a typical outcome? I'm just trying to, for the conversation, get a good understanding of like for others, especially those watching and listening, it's like, how are you identifying? What is that? What are the KPI that matter for? Great question. Great question. So the the current trend is 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 ultimately to measure our success through the customer's success. So what are the key metrics that the customers are looking to impact or improve? What are the key outcomes that they're looking to impact or improve? And we've got key three, three key value drivers that we typically sell against and then deliver against post-sales. And those are employee engagement. So big, uh, very important thing in today's world is through COVID, loads of employees have felt disengaged, disempowered, and that has resulted in quiet quitting, um, you know, huge amount of, of, of job losses, uh, lack of productivity, et cetera. So some customers may be looking to improve their employee engagement scores. And as a result, increased productivity, increased staff retention, et cetera. That's, that's one value driver, which we support. The other one is sort of engagement in a transformation. So typically customers have gone through a period of change and they're now looking to embed a transformation in uh, their workforce. Uh, when I was at Sprinkler, um, our old um, president, a guy called Carlos Dominguez, who was ex-Cisco, used to come into a room and used to do this thing where he goes, put your hands up here who likes change. And everyone would throw their hands up and go, change is awesome. Change is great. You know, I love change. I should be seen as being adaptable to change. And he goes, that's really interesting because I like change when it's my idea. And the premise being that if you can give employees a voice in that transformation, in that change, they're most they're much more likely to be engaged in it. And then that transformation is much more likely to be successful. But that's that's the second one. And then the, the, the final one is really what we call business improvement or continuous improvement. So what are the small quick wins that can happen across our organization? What are the new products and services that we want to can maybe deliver? What is this cost-cutting initiative which we need to implement? And those things as well. So the impact from, from ideas. So we would, depending on the value driver that our customer has been sold against and has been identified as the real pain, success will measure the outcome against one of those three things. So you're customers have an objective they're trying to achieve something by using your platform and in your case you're focusing on employee engagement engagement and transformation and business improvement and i think you know especially for a lot of companies that might be earlier in and, and haven't built up you know extensive practices here it sounds like you're you're, you're investing in their use and success in the product and so in other words if they had if you had very little support tickets that wouldn't be enough because even though they might be able to use it, they might not be finding success with it. So then you start to ask like, well, why does it matter to invest in this? Like, what does it help in terms of like in general or sideways specific like ARR uh, for both, you know, your ability to retain and grow customers and then also maybe even your ability to acquire new customers. Why does it matter uh, to invest in customer success? So I I, uh, I love this question, and um, if you look on LinkedIn and the the sort of thinkfluencing um, that you typically see across CS these days, uh, uh, there's a, a belief that 
customer success department is absolutely integral to um, increasing ARR and, and having a positive net retention rate. And there's a guy that I follow who I actually believe a lot of what he says, a guy called Dave Jackson, who talks about the, the concept of customer-led growth. And anyone in the business can contribute to customer-led growth, but the, the idea around customer success being an integral part of that is that we can be the voice of the customer. We can understand the key buying personas of our technology, the key pains that they experience and the key gains that they need to achieve and the key technological capabilities that they need to adopt in order to, to positively impact what it is that they're trying to do to overcome the pain and to see, and to see the gain. So investing in success can be investing in your customer's success, which can be one thing and getting your teams to collaborate together or investing in a customer success team, which acts as the focal point for that activity to be the voice of the customer inside. Now, customer success is typically held accountable for retention rates and for ARR. Now, one of the things that we, one of the things that is absolutely paramount in order to achieve that is to understand what I call the three V's. So there, there, there's cre key, three key values that are typical and critical to customer success, which is value identification. So what is the key value or gain that needs to be delivered and what why have they bought your technology? That's the first V. The second V is value realization. So how will we get them from A to B to C to ultimately X? What does the journey look like? What are the skills that they need to acquire along the way? What technology of yours do they need to leverage to achieve this? And then value education, which is the final V, which is who in their business, who in our customers' business need to stay informed regularly of the value that this, this platform is delivering. And so when it comes to renewal, you've identified, you've realized, and you've educated on the value that they've delivered. And that means that the outcome that you're driving is ultimately, a, hopefully, a successful renewal, but also the um, the potential for growth if you're driving through adoption barriers and proving value against that. Now, if your customers are happy in achieving, they're likely to also be vocal about us. They're likely to speak to peers. They're likely to um you know be very vocal on um other forums and channels about the work that you're doing with them which can lead to what we're starting to call customer success qualified leads so if you're delivering value if you're delighting your customers if they're satisfied with your offering there is a huge opportunity to to track and monitor the customer success qualified leads now we've got sqls we've got mqls but i think there is an emerging trend for csqls which helps customer success be more, uh, you know, rewarded, accountable, responsible for the new revenue. Yeah, and we we see customer success being a huge driver for the most successful companies. Like we touched on NRR earlier, net revenue retention, yeah. the outcome of your cancels, downgrades, upgrades, and new customers. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about how you think about customer success. Cause I often think people don't buy products, they buy outcomes. 
Yes. And if they can use your product, but don't get their outcome, your product didn't work. And so it sounds like your philosophy is a lot around focusing around what is that outcome they bought and how can we help them deliver, you know, deliver on it. And then using that as a driver. Um, one thing I didn't hear you talk about was upgrades. And I'm sure that's part of your story, but is it is it more than just retention? I know you talked about customer success qualified leads in terms of like customer referrals. I think that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Is customer success also about, you know, helping folks find upgraded products that could also find them additional success? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um I think from from my perspective, the key is to is to go back to that customer centricity. So customer success, we know our customers. We should be understanding what it is they're trying to achieve at a surface level, but you know who they are, what are their threat, what are the competitive threats, what are the trends that they're seeing in their industry, what are some of the things that are impacting them, what are they trying to achieve? If if you've got an understanding of of their goals, you can also then map additional functionality and additional capabilities to to help support that and that's where the upgrade or the upsell becomes much more consultative and much more based on on an address need and further realization of value than it has if it's just a a a feature versus function sell it goes back sorry to interrupt i was just going to say so that makes sense on the upgrade path and i'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit though in that but in that same vein so when there's capabilities that aren't available in your product stack, I'm just curious what role customer success plays in product innovation and value. And we all have experienced, I think, like the the support product asks, we're like, you need to fix this. People complain about it too much. But how does customer success play maybe a, a more kind of, and I hate to say higher level because those are really important tickets and those people's roadmaps, but how does it drive product innovation and value, do you think? A great question. I, I I love that question actually, and I it does go back to, and I hope I don't sound like a broken record, but it does go back to the importance of customer centricity, and and CS playing an integral role in being able to educate internal teams on the customers' pains and gains. So if we know their pains, if we know their requirements, their use cases, their product utilization, how they're using it, their ticket volume their MPS, we can channel this information properly back into our company and act as the sort of owner of that information flow, which helps us build a better product. So we're addressing the needs of the customers. We can design, also design better services. So support is one angle, product is the other, but there's also a services element here, which how do we maybe plug either technology or people or process gaps with services, which can then help help our customers deliver. But if we can also share the learnings of a subset of customers uh, that, that other customers are experiencing versus another subset of customers, we can also help the maturity of, of our sort of less mature customers by sharing best case examples, by sharing how people are using it. Um, and sort of by building that network of customers, I think that also helps as well. Not a great articulation at the end there. I'll do a bit of a wave. But, um, but I do think that having the finger on customer success having the finger on the pulse of the industry, the trends that we're seeing, what our competitors are doing or what our customers' competitors are doing, maybe what they're selling into customers, then we're at that critical intersection and we can be vital 
uh, a vital cog in sharing that insight back into the business to help us innovate our product, innovate our offering and, and helping our customers reach their desired outcomes. Yeah, and it's such an interesting position to be in because as I mentioned before, support knows what's broken and what needs to get fixed. Uh, product will often go forth and research and interview. And I feel like you only learn so much in those exercises that when you're, um, you know, I don't know, like just like shoulder against the grindstone, helping someone achieve an outcome and having that relationship in an ongoing business uh, re uh, relationship relative to how they're using their product to achieve outcomes. Um, that seems like a really interesting perspective that I, I could see a lot of product uh, and engineering teams getting a lot of value out of seeing. And I, I know that that's a voice that, you know, it, it, there's these tug and war of voices and the product innovation and direction. Uh, but I could see where that CS position is incredibly valuable um, in that that conversation. Is that what you've experienced? I'm assuming being head of CS, you must think that, but I, just... I, I totally agree. And and one of the things that we're trying to get better at, you, you mentioned products and engineering. One of the things that we're trying to get better at is exposing products and engineering to our customers. It helps build empathy for for their pain. It helps build their knowledge. It helps get them better accustomed to hearing sort of what our customers are trying to do and that can only be a good thing um and i think getting our getting our our product engineering teams in front of customers more is definitely something that can help bridge that gap as well yeah i worked at a uh, wordpress company and we would ask some people at different candidates when they started had you ever built a wordpress site and many people would say yes and then i would say have you ever built a wordpress site for money yeah. Uh, in other words, something was really on the line. And, you know, I think CS has such a great point of view on that, you know, sitting next to customers and helping them achieve those, you know, higher level objectives. So that's pretty cool. Um, okay. So let's talk about marketing now. Um, hmm. you know, I think everybody on their website says we have great support and we have a, maybe I, I haven't seen actually a lot of references to a customer success team. Maybe that's an opportunity for folks. But um, how do you feel like customer success can help drive marketing um, to both drive, obviously, new ARR, but also better customer experiences when they get on board? You talked about like the promise and the delivery. Um, how does CS interact with all that on the marketing side? So this, the simplest way is through is through better storytelling. So we work really closely with, with the marketing team here at Subway 6. And what we're trying to do is educate externally on some of the great things that are happening across across our customers, uh, across their journeys, across their successes. And we've got some wildly successful customers that have been doing some brilliant things within idea management. Um, I mentioned Marks and Spencer's, I mentioned Balfour Beatty, I mentioned Nestle. Uh, there's a whole host of others, Taylor and Francis, that are starting on their journey. Um, Virgin Media O2, which have had a lot of success with the initial rollout of their, of their employee ideas program. So a lot of it is about working with marketing to help share the success stories of what these customers are achieving and how they're doing it. And that of course can lead to, um, you know, MQLs, opportunities for sales, et cetera. In a more complex way, if, if the simple way is, is storytelling, and that's not simple by the way, because a lot of work's gone into by our customers to, to achieve what they've achieved, but in a more complex way in terms of how we work with marketing, we're constantly assessing our, our ICPs, uh, you know, our ideal customer profiles, uh, 
who they are, what their characteristics, you know, where they sit in an organization, what are their key, you know, key goals, what are their key pains? Um, and this constant reassessment of what our customers are achieving and, and, and validating against a hypothesis really helps us get really clear on those value drivers and, and who, who those value drivers would resonate with. So we're targeting the right people with the right message um, and the right solution. So, so that's really what we're doing. But that clear focus on, on ideal customer profiles, that clear focus on value drivers, it also helps bring in then great fit customers. So great fit customers are much more uh, likely to have a great customer experience because what you're offering meets their needs. So if we're constantly refining that and finding that back to marketing, which is finding that back to sales, we get much better customers that are much more, um, you know, right sized for our product, which means that we'll be able to deliver those outcomes that they need, which means that we will then be um, much more successful as a, as a, as a partnership. So um, those two key ways I'd say. How do you manage it if there's a new vein of effort marketing is going after that pulls in a new set of customers that you discover aren't that great, excuse me, greatly aligned to your ICP or how you help customers find success? How do you communicate that back and how do you adjust? I mean, without going too deep, of course. No, of course. So I think that constant feedback loop is is critical. We do you know, team retros, we do churn retros. So if we start to see a, a, a customer segment or a particular set of customers leave us, it, it's really important that we understand through the funnel what's happened, what we can learn and how we can incorporate. And, and it can be ICP definition. It can be the wrong customer. It can be, you know, the wrong um, onboarding process. It can be other things, but that constant learning through retrospectives and through feedback loops is really important but critically as well sharing vulnerability and i think one of the good things that cyber six is great at is there's no blame culture here everyone's trying to support the growth of this company and if there's something that um we've experimented with and it hasn't worked great we hold our hands up and we say we tried what did we learn how do we move forward um which i really like and i think that's the right spirit excellent well that's great to hear um, okay, so we've talked about customer success kind of writ large. We've talked about its influence and role in product and engineering and in marketing. Are there any other areas of the business you feel customer success has a big impact on? I would, I, 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 we touched on services, but I think that interrelationship between the, the services offering support and um, product are probably where we spend a lot of our time post sales with those teams understanding how we all work together to offer a great customer experience but we're also to the point just now trying to get better at sharing that knowledge back in with sales so can they we can help them sell better against pain points and, and gain opportunities we can help them identify customers that are great fit um we really do touch every organization in the business which consists of product and engineering, services, sales, marketing, product, uh, and people, um, and sort of interacting with with the different people across the organization as well. So that's within Cyber 6. I'm sure there are better examples in, uh, in, in other companies, but yeah. Excellent, excellent. 
Now, of course, I'd like to know, we talked earlier when we kind of intro the episode around some of the unconventional ways you, you go about getting customers to love the company and love the platform. And it reminds me a little bit of a marketing quote by a gentleman named Mark McCormick. And it says, all things being equal, people will do business with a friend. All things being unequal, people will still do business with a friend. And it sounds like you're taking some approaches that help you earn some friends along the way. Not that you would give them an unequal product, I guess. But uh, what are some of the unconventional ways you've gotten customers to uh, find su like success with Sideways 6 and love the brand? Uh, so that's an excellent question. I, I, I really like that quote as well. Um, I think we we recognize that that customer happiness is really important at every tech company that I've worked at, there has been a measure on customer happiness or customer satisfaction, which is critical, but that like that playing on that sort of emotion of getting our customers to love us um, is really important. There, there's one way that's done, which is through helping them conventionally deliver on the outcomes they need to from leveraging our technology but unconventionally, some of the stuff that we've done in the past has been, um, you know, hosting hosting customer get-togethers, so so roundtables, so getting our customers to speak to each other and build a build a network of of um, a network of champions of Sideways Six uh, that understand what we do, that are thought leaders within the idea uh, and innovation space. We also talk a lot about like we talk a lot about helping our customers achieve their desired outcomes. That's typically a customer level, right? That's getting them to, you know, cut costs, you know, increase revenue, protect brand, which are very important, but quite impersonal goals. So I think we all take joy as a customer success, as customer success individuals, when we see our champions and end users progress or achieve or get recognition for the work that we're helping them do. So helping our customers get new jobs, helping our customers get promoted, helping our customers, you know, self-promote on LinkedIn through case studies, through webinars. That's really, really rewarding for a, for a customer success manager to see the people that believe in your software achieve what they are, you know, personally trying to achieve. And we've helped in, in, in the past, we've helped customers that may have fallen on, on hard times. They may have, you know, been impacted by a restructuring, but because of the network of of champions that we've built up and then the network of alumni that are associated with Cyber Six, we've been able to sort of you know recommend them into somewhere or help them help them get another job. But one of the more personally rewarding examples of of, of supporting our customers and going above and beyond, which I think is really where that that you know that love or that that um, connection with a customer can come from. Is one of our one of our big uh, customers were or was hosting a two day workshop off site for 70, 80 people to educate them and to upskill them on the next year's plans for their idea program. And we actually they asked if we could help, so we did a presentation. We supported with um, some uh, some merchandise, some sort of tailored merchandise. We gave. Uh, we hosted an award. We contributed towards that, um, all to support our customer to deliver a great event. And again, making them successful and and seeing them be successful, but helping them was probably one of the highlights that I've had 
this year and doing things like that sort of really help build the connection between two different companies. It's such an empowering thing, helping others. It, it really puts a fire in your gut, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but it sounds like, you know, a big part of what you're focused on. And I, I, in my view, in the orgs that I've seen very successful have followed similar suits, which is focusing on those outcomes. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't sell products, we sell outcomes. And if you lose sight of that, then you're building the wrong type of company. Um, so that's really interesting to hear. Okay. So we've cut or covered a lot of topics today. If uh, the audience remembered only one thing you said today, what would it be? Not that the, not that the first thing that I ordered was, um, I bought online. With <laughs> people. Um, I think for me, it goes back to, and I hope I did it justice, but Dave Jackson's sort of, you know, belief in customer led growth, like success teams, these days you're either on one side or the other when it comes to responsibility with regards to AR. but i don't think success departments can get complacent or arrogant with their role within an organization and it, it's sort of essential that we need to be responsible for driving positive net retention rates and growing our customers and and showcasing that we can do that and that we can be that growth engine for our for our businesses. And I think without that focus and accountability, I think customer success could quickly become seen as a nice to have. And it's absolutely essential that we're not. We are very much a need to have because we can drive net retention rate, because we can drive outcomes for our customers, because we can shape the product and the innovation that we need in our business to win against the competition. So I think that would probably be my my overarching takeaway. Um, I hope that lands. Yeah, that's a great point to end on. And I think those are such massive drivers in a business when you have over 100% net revenue retention, which customer success plays a huge role in. You can spend more money to acquire customers. You instantly get higher valuations. And if uh, you know uh, the uh, KPI that aren't observed don't move. And so if you don't have someone focusing on the objectives that your customers are trying to achieve, I don't think you can build a super scalable business, but that's a super, that's an awesome uh, point to end on. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jake. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Well, if you'd like to learn more about what Jake is up to, you can visit sideways six. That's the number six.com. Thanks everyone for joining us today for a growth stage. If you'd like to learn more about FastSpring and how we can help you sell your digital products globally while staying automatically tax compliant and keep your focus on your products, visit FastSpring.com. Thanks everyone for joining. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Stage. To learn more about FastSpring and the services we offer, visit us at FastSpring.com.